Leafs Talk Live. Leafs get handed one from the Boston Bruins. It looked okay in the first period. Looked like just two teams that were going to fly around a little bit tonight. Leafs had some moments, but yeah. Um, Let's start with this. Are you taking anything away from this game? Because I think I I only have the one thing, and it kind of got hammered by the broadcast, but it was something that you and I had been kind of talking about quite a bit throughout the evening. Boy, Simmer was uh, describing those guys. So sorry, Craig Simpson was really talking about Lilligren and Sandine. Is that what you're uh, alluding to? Yeah, man. I I had like I asked Sis to like we can roll this right away, Dave. Like the the lasting takeaway from this game the only thing that really meant something to me well there's two things it's just like the depth of this team versus mm-hmm. boston where mm-hmm. i like this this the second goal against it's the fourth line and it's lilligren and sandine that are out on the ice for over 2 minutes and the fourth line just looking completely helpless against boston and like they just didn't have the depth players i thought anyways like real moments in this game like nobody stood out to me um, maybe you could make like a little bit of a case for Engvall in the first period. And then at the very end of the game, he was like really flying around for a cookie uh, at the end of the third when the game was out of hand. But outside of that, like nobody in the bottom six really did anything for me. But then, yeah, Sandine and Lilligren, Craig Simpson brought it up. But this shift actually was the first real, oh, my God, what what the hell with these guys? Like they couldn't do anything. Sandine, to me, just looked like a guy tonight where it felt like he had no time and no space the entire evening. So you know when they're showing uh, on the broadcast uh, your your general manager writing things down as they're talking about your play on the ice? It's probably not a great sign for your game, I would imagine. No. And like they just go to the Dubas. He's stewing up there, just writing things in his little notebook. He's like, yeah, 38-37, no good tonight, underline. Like, what was he writing down? He just would – I was just – I don't know. Like, I think it's a hard one to really have a ton of takeaways from in terms of, I think a lot of these guys probably had one foot on the plane to Cabo. They're thinking about what's happening here. They're about to have a long break. You know, you got the Christmas break coming up. Maybe give a little less effort on the last show before you head out. Like it's a, no, it's, that's what it's I'm human, asking you though, buddy. Like, that's nature. why I started it. But with listen, that. but listen, I don't think you can watch this game tonight and not feel some kind of way about, Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilligren playing against a team that you could potentially feel in the in the playoffs. Like it would just be it would just be malpractice for Dubas to be like, yeah, it you know it's a game before a break. That's why they got caved in for sixty minutes. That's the Dude. reason. William Nylander being dash four tonight, you throw that in the trash. Yeah, like who cares? William He's Nylander's been, been one of your best guys all season long. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Ilya Samsonov letting in, I would say. A bad one, the fourth one, where he shows too much net. It's a beautiful shot, but it's not a great goal. The third and fourth ones of the game, I thought, you know, like he he probably wants one of those two back. You could see in his body language. Guess what? Pretty much throwing it out. I'm not putting Samsonov on that Bruins team as, oh, no, this is means he can't play in a big game against a big team with pressure. No, like throw it out. That's trash. Um, the Leafs losing this game. Mm-hmm. I don't really think you're right. Like a lot of information gleaned from it. But to me, it was just pretty plain and simple is Boston has guys in their bottom six that just have what we've talked about throughout the season, just discernible skills, guys who look like they're kind of in the fight and they're just contributing all game long and stacked up really well against the Leafs bottom six. 
seemed to have more of an impact. Like this wasn't a night where Bergeron and Pasternak and and Marchand took over, right? None of them like, scored. They had some moments, but they didn't do anything like points wise. Mm-hmm. And then the like Lilligren and Sandine, like I said, they just they looked like they were constantly operating where there was a body on them all night, and they seemed a little flustered by it. I will say, like, I'm not I'm not trying to be like. I think Lilligren owed some of the criticism, but Sandine to me was like especially bad. Like he looked like he was panicking almost every time he had the puck. And I think we've kind of seen this in games where they've played against top tier talent. Like I think you think back to some of those games against Tampa that they've played where it hasn't been yeah. pretty for him. And this is a, this is where you go to the conversation that we have on all of our shows. What feels like every day about what you're going to address at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. And I think the Leafs are obviously a great team, and I think they're a, they're a top, you know, whatever five team. I think they deserve to be there with the season they're having. But to me, there's pretty clear needs in terms of defense. Like I, I, you know, you think that they're a deep core, and you think that they have guys that can contribute. But when you see them go up against teams like the Boston Bruins, which, if you happen to get by the Tampa Bay Lightning somehow, you're going to be playing in the second round of the playoffs. It's a pretty clear, eye-opening sort of spectacle to me that you should be looking to maybe not replace Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilligren, but at least have a guy that's an option with those two guys, or at least have a guy that's going to push those two guys. It just seems that like that can't be your, that can't be your opening night roster going into a series against Tampa or Boston. It just really feels like it's not the right recipe to me. I'm pretty unmoved about my feelings about Lilligren lately, which is that he's been awesome. And even tonight, like I, I thought his mistakes and, and again, this is me watching it live and taking notes and then seeing mm-hmm. some of the clips that we're doing here. I actually thought some of his mistakes were more, Hey, my partner is really fighting it. I can't put him in tough positions. And I felt like some of the passes that he made to him, like back in the zone were basically like, Hey, you deal with this. And Sandine wasn't equipped to do it tonight. Mm-hmm. I still felt like from a physical standpoint, he wasn't just completely like getting barbecued the way that Sandine was, where it was just, man, Sandine looked like he looked like Nick Patan out there tonight. It just was like, you couldn't, you couldn't tell me that he's five ten or whatever. He looked five foot four. He looked five foot five. He was Mark Savard's joke. Leave for a day. Um, Contest winner. I just, I, I think that. Where I'm at right now, anyways, is that Lilligren is like a completely unmovable guy and that he's very, very likely on your playoff roster in a way that Absolutely. I just I, I, I think he's a I think he look, might actually be like a bona fide stud. But to me, it's just more you can't have him with that partner in a meaningful game and against a big, nasty forecheck full of guys who care and can get nasty with you. And it sort of brings me to something like I know this is analysis of the game. We'll get to a couple of things from the actual contest. But to me, the actual perfect formula is tr- Some people don't like Jake McCabe. His name keeps coming up to the point where I feel like there's a lot of smoke there. But the Gavrikov, McCabe type of guy that can play beside Lilligren, Mm -hmm. that really balances out their lineup. The question is, do you have to use Sandine in a trade? And I kind of feel like if you don't want to give up Nyes and you don't have anything else in the cupboard and you got a late first round pick, his name might come up in some of these negotiations. He might be a chip that you got to use and... I don't think that that's a backbreaker for the Leafs. I don't really pretend to know a whole lot about Gavrikov or Jake McCabe. Like, I know both of their names, and I know that they're both NHL sort of gritty defenseman guys. But, like, I, you know, if you're trading Rasmus Sandin, who has been as 
Dubas's baby, really, in terms of drafting and from his the development. And like he's really come a long way with this guy. He's had a lot of patience with him. To me, it would be a pretty shocking move to see him trade him in one of those trades. Like I would well, Jake agree. Jake plays top minutes for a team that has been getting caved in all year, and he doesn't get caved in. And Gavrikov is a guy who like literally shut the Leafs down in a playoff series a couple of years ago. So yeah, I, like, no, listen, I don't think that I'm those just, guys. I, I think those, those guys are not fine. Ilya Labushkin here, buddy. Like this isn't a this isn't one of those trades. Like this isn't Roman Polak that you're talking about. You're talking about guys who can play like heavy minutes and a heavy style. And the price of acquisition, especially if you're getting an extra year of term on a McCabe, um, yeah, maybe it's not that high, but if you're getting them to eat money, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying if you're talking about trade pieces, to me, Sandine is as high as I think the Leafs would be going. And if we're talking about like just expendable um, pieces, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, tonight just it kind of felt like he was one of those guys where you just went, okay, well, I don't really see how you fit oh. in a series against a Boston or a Tampa if this is the current group. And so, yeah, this probably seems reactionary. This is a reactionary show. It's a reaction show. I'm not going to apologize mm-hmm. for this. I just thought Sandine, that's the real biggest lesson from tonight was, hey, he can't be in a series like this. Not with that partner, not with these stakes. Yeah, and listen, I had this very conversation with Borny today about the potential of trading Sandine, so I'm not against it, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it would probably come down to the question, who would you rather trade in one of those trades? Is it Nyes or is it Rasmus Sandin? Which to me is a fascinating question in itself. Sandin, like, no brainer. And I've never, and I've barely seen Nyes. Yeah. 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 Like I, I would tend to agree. I would tend to agree, but at least Matt Rasmus Sandin has contributed somewhat at the NHL level. And you know that yep. the potential is there for a guy to be sort of a uh, middle of your lineup defenseman, as opposed to a guy who's just, you know, smoking mirrors, lighting it up with two of the best guys in the, you know, like you don't know what he is in the NHL. Absolutely. You kind of hate Matthew Nyes. It comes out just a little bit where you're like, well, you don't no, hate just, Matthew Nyes, the player or the guy you hate the hype, which I totally get because yes, I think it's insane. Yeah, yeah it's I know. Like, I get it. I get it, man. The older we get in, I know the older we get, the more, He's playing we, with two I, of the best guys in um, in college I, hockey. The two kids that dominated on the world junior team, they're playing on a line together. They're lighting everybody up. It's like, oh, yeah. my God. You know, coming in and playing against Charlie Coyle and Taylor hey, Hall, it's a different kettle of fish, man. 100%. Like I, I, I think the que- if the question is who helps you more this year, it's no-brainer that it's Sandine. Yes. If it's who's going to help you more over the next three seasons, mm-hmm. I think that it better be Matthew Nice. He better be more of a contributor than what Sandine is. Um, anyway, yeah. I just thought that was a really tough night for them. I, I hated their play basically all night. I thought Sandine's yeah. was much worse than Lilligren's. And I just, it was one of those things where, yeah, both guys deserve criticism. But to me, mm-hmm. one guy just looked like the moment, the pressure, the size was a, just an, an issue that I'm, I'm not going to ignore night. it. He was fighting um, it the whole night. Yeah, he really was. Um, what do you want to do next? I kind of want to talk about fi- bunting. Okay, I was going to say, speaking of fighting it, can we just quickly... Yeah. Talk about, well, do we have that, uh, sis, the fight? Well, it's not well, a very fight. long clip, but oh my God. Kudos, a, a little bit of uh, kudos to Greer though, because he scores a goal and he's like, I'm going to get the Gordie Howe hat trick right away. Like, Why did he take it. that fight? It was weird no of idea. him to take the fight. Okay, That's a so great this, goal. Is, this is my ignorance. Like, obviously we watch every single Leaf game. So I try to catch a lot of Bruins. I really, yeah. I watched the Bruins lightning game the other night. 
The, this was my first reaction as these guys are starting to score off. I go, oh my, Greer's really tough. <laughs> and then, oh. <laughs> he's obviously out on his feet, essentially from the yeah. first shot. Like he gets, he gets lit up, and Simmons then just goes to like the jackhammer, like pulling back huge right hooks or left hooks, and just crushing them. I don't know how Greer got off the ice without help. Uh, like he's out of it. And then yeah, obviously he went to the tunnel because. Yeah, like how bad would you have to be of a concussion spotter or whatever to yeah. like say like, I think yeah. it's time for you to <laughs> come here bud <laughs> hey Ted and White uh time to come over here yeah. for a quick chat <laughs> yeah we're gonna take we're gonna put a flashlight in your eye <laughs> like so we're gonna take a look I just uh, I love that the toughest guy in the ice played the Leafs in that game like I know Simmons didn't have a very good night and the first hem in of of Lilligren and Sandine where they gave up that 2-1 goal yep. was because he didn't get off the ice and yep. uh Craig Simpson pointed it out that that uh Sheldon was yelling for him to come off the ice so I rewound and went back and listened and it was a great call by Simmer you could hear him yell for Wayne to come off the ice He's like Simmer like yelled it and he goes into the zone they ended up getting burned and it goes in but listen I love have the toughest guy on the ice. Don't care how yeah. much hockey, whatever happens in hockey, however much it changes, it still matters. And the Leafs got to bounce off that. They played their best, you know, of the last uh, 15 minutes of that game or however long, their best three or four shifts came right after that scrap. They get it within one and then it goes down and goes bar down on the other end. But I thought they did respond to that happening. It still mattered. So I love that from Simmons. Buddy, I, I completely agree. And it's it's something that I was actually thinking about throughout the game because Simmons, like you mentioned, he's on the ice for that one goal. It's a really bad moment for him. Mm-hmm. He has a couple of spots in the game where he just looked like he was fighting it a little bit. But he actually also had some other moments where I thought that his line had a little bit of push, mm-hmm. even in the offensive zone. And all I could think to myself was, okay, I get why he doesn't play every night, clearly, and why they take looks at other guys because they know what they have in him. Yeah. But as much as we do the whole, like, I'm sorry. Hey, this nice Bobby McMahon. He gets them all. It's like Wayne Simmons is more useful today than Bobby. Yeah. And so it was like, if they don't really address this bottom six, it did sort of get me thinking like, and I do think they are going to, I think that they're going to add a forward or two and maybe Nyes does get in the mix. I, I still feel like if they got into a series with Tampa or they get into a series with Boston, like Simmons might get some games. Yeah, I agree. And I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. If we're sitting here and he's playing a lot of games against Tampa, maybe not yep. a lot, but even anything over two to me is a detriment to what they've done at the deadline. Like if like I love Wayne Simmons. Wayne Simmons is one of my favorite players ever. Played known sound, like massive fan of Wayne Simmons. Me and Feuda always raving about uh, Wayne Simmons. Own yeah. sound legend. But like, you know. He is what he is at this point. And yeah, but I just to, like that he fits have, in this game, though. You know, like he fits absolutely. in this game. And it's nice, like I said, it's nice yeah. to have the toughest guy on the ice. And if you're going into a series against Tampa and you have Wayne Simmons in the series, he is the toughest guy on the ice. There's no one on Tampa that's tougher than Simmons. It matters. I like yep. that fact. But there's a lot of shifts where he can't keep up. Like well, I'd watch wait. I'd watch a maroon Simmons tilt and be very interested in As, how Maroon probably run from that one, but uh he doesn't really I don't think he's he like really goes the heavies. No, he yeah. kind of goes the middleweights because he likes yeah. to look tough. But anyways, that's a different <laughs> different story for a different day. It was but, like last least talk against the Bruins when all the Bruins fans got in my mentions about you saying Marsha never fought. 
Oh, he um, doesn't. Hey. The last fight was like 2020, so it's all good. Hey, by the way, so this is a way to pivot to bunting. So this yes. is like, again, little notes of guys who care, guys who stepped up. I was looking for a couple of things tonight after the Marshan comments. I was like, I wonder how Marner's going to play tonight, given everything that's gone on. And I actually, I will say this. I'm forgiving of the Leafs' loss. I'm not going to read into it as much as some other people have made. Maybe people wanted more of like a hot takey reaction. Like I said, I thought that it's pretty hot takey saying that, you know, Sandine isn't ready for a playoff series like this when it's off of one game. But overall, I'm saying like, yeah, we're, we're joking during the game saying the boys are ready for Cabo. You know, the, bo- yes. the Cabo boys are ready. There's a <laughs> oh, lot yeah. of stretches. They didn't have that bite. I kind of wanted them to Guys have Guys had though. their flowery shirts on under their jerseys tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like Willie some just guys, took off his shoulders and he had like yeah. the shirt that was down open. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say some guys didn't even shower. They were just no. like, see ya. <laughs> we're out of here. Uh, I kind of, maybe I'm just, it's me. Maybe it's a little old school. Maybe it's, you know, having Ray Bork on the pod today, kind of yeah. grousing a little about guys that don't care enough anymore. Um, I kind of wanted the least to care a bit more. I thought Marner actually had like some really nice moments in the game. His goal was nice. Uh, yep. He had another play where he was just kind of around it, but bunting to me stuck out tonight in a way where it hit like he had a bad moment. That ref hit the little bit of a hook and pull by Marshan where it's like, yeah, I, I don't know. Some people thought that was a horrific miscall. I thought, yeah, Marshan, maybe a little bit of a penalty, nothing too egregious. Um, the way he was kind of showing up the ref was a bit much. But this, getting the cross-check to the face, just giving it to the official, losing his mind, going to the bench, being covered in blood, breaking his stick, waving (laughs) at the ref. Like, Marner tells him, basically, calm down. You know, like, Marner's sitting beside him. If that clip runs longer, Marner's going, hey, calm down. Because when he breaks his stick, he almost hits the official with it. Yeah. Like, he almost hits the official with the stick, and maybe it's suspension. Marner's trying to chill him out. But Bunting just cares, man. And... He's got that fire and he's can't got teach, that energy. Can't teach Karen like that. That's what I'm saying. Like the yeah. Leafs have so many guys where we have to be like, they're stoic and they don't show their emotion. <laughs> and it's like stoic. If I hear stoic one more. Yeah. And I just, I like having the guy that cares. And I just, uh, Bunting being in a scrum tonight, being covered in blood. I actually think that now he, like last year he got way too many penalties. It was a joke because he was mm-hmm. diving like straight up. He yeah. was diving and it became a big point of conversation amongst the officials during the offseason. We heard it from everybody. Yeah. Hey, the officials looked at like bunting tape all the way across that, and they're not happy. That one, yes, this one's bad. But I actually think it's now at the point where the refs just hate his guts and they refuse yeah. to give him a call unless it's like the most blatant thing on earth. Well, they're human beings. Like you yeah. can only take so much. Like, <laughs> it's like you ever watch like whenever I watch a Raptors game, I have to turn it off because Nick Nurse is just berating the officials for yeah. the whole game. And they who was like, the guy in the finals that gave it to him? Who gave it to Nick Nurse? I don't know, but somebody did. Like I can't. Yeah. I really don't love the official abuse. Like I hate when guys are like all over the refs and any level of any sports. It really kind of drives me crazy. And he is all over the refs, and it's only human nature. All these guys are boys. All these guys talk. They ref all these games. They're traveling all over the place. It's human nature. They obviously hate him. He gets less calls because they hate him because he yells at them. He's diving all around his head, snapping back every play. Like it is what it is. It's, yeah. it's just like people are going to be upset about that. And they'll be like, oh, you know, you got to call it to the letter of the game. They're not. I almost swore. They're not robots, man. Like they're just you have to deal with some of this. If that's the way you play the game, 
you're going to have to deal with the consequences. That's life. Yeah. Sorry. Like it's, I think they got to get to one, the cross check to the face in front of the net but is the kind of a can't miss her. But if you're watching it, he yeah. immediately like massive head snap back. Looks like a classic bunting dive. He sees the head snap back. He thinks he maybe embellished it. Like he has a tendency yep. to do. It's a wrong call. It's a missed call. He's obviously cut. He's obviously leaking, but like, I get it from the ref perspective. Like I would probably be pretty, I'd be pretty hesitant too. Like, I'm sorry. No, I get it. I'm just saying that the refs have now officially zagged too far. And now it's a zag and a half. Yeah. They zag too far. And now I actually think it's a thing where the Leafs are going to be able to send tape into the office and go look at all the calls you guys are now missing on bunting. This is becoming a bit of a farce. This guy's going to get killed out here because he takes a beating and Again, never I stops love going back to the front of the net, which I really respect. Takes a beating every single night and goes right to the same spot every yeah. single night. Exactly. And like I said, takes a beating, goes to the hard areas, takes shots. Marshan didn't give him credit before the game. Like no. they asked him about bunting and he went, oh, I don't really get into it with bunting. And I think bunting went super rat mode tonight <laughs> and wanted it because you know why? He cares. And yes. that means something to me about Michael Bunting. And, you know, I've had mixed emotions about the guy for a while in terms of, hey, he's been given such a golden opportunity. I don't know how yeah. much you pay him. You know, it, he can't drive his own line. He is, but he's a, I shouldn't say a bit of a diver. He's like one of the biggest divers in the he's NHL, maybe 100%. the king of the divers. So, like, yeah, that bothers me at times as well. But tonight was just one of those games where I went in a seven game series, you got to have Buntings on your team. Absolutely. You got to no have them. In this, and he just he mattered a lot tonight. So kudos to Bunting because I actually feel like there's been a little bit more ownership and swagger to him over the last couple of weeks, maybe a month, where I think he knows now. Okay, I'm getting a bag no matter what, and these guys want to keep me around. I want to be here. I, I just yeah, I, I love his care level. I love his compete, even he though must- the diving is yes, oftentimes you yeah. just have to do that one like <laughs> cover your. I just do that move but and he, pretend like how pretend like I haven't he? spent my whole life hammering soccer players for diving and then I watch bunting. Did, uh, you could, know what? That Marshawn call quickly, yeah. that that was just actually one of those scenarios where it's like it was a hold and a dive. Like yeah. you call both of them, it's four on four. Um how pissed is bunting though? About to go on a ten day break, guarantee got plans, go somewhere nice. And you just showing up with a big old cut right across the bridge of your nose. I guess it probably plays. Like, what happened? Oh, it happened in the no. NHL. I'm sure that probably plays at the resort that he's going to. But I uh, think it's fine. Do yeah. you remember in that 24? Uh, there, there was a Paul Maurice quote that I love so much, where he has the scar, and they ask him about his scar, and he goes, "I love it. I was a hockey player." I went, yeah. "What?" The only guy who didn't love his scar was Guy Boucher. Yeah, but I just, I, I have a hockey, I, yeah, I, I like, I'm a, I was a hockey player and I went, yeah. that's awesome. I think that's the same thing with bunting. Like you wear your war wound and you're proud yeah. of it and you're that kind of guy. Yeah, you're right. Uh, okay. What else from this game? Um, uh, the yarn goal was all right. I did like, again, that bunting got into it. The Samsonov stuff. We already went over Leafs bottom six. We went over. Um, oh, I thought, yeah, Morgan Riley gets cooked by Pasternak early. Hey, who among us or who among the NHL hasn't been cooked by Pasternak? Well, play the body. Like yeah, you got your, then, you got your eyes down looking straight down, like trying to poke at it with a stick. Just get the hip in there, Morgan. Anyways. Yeah, but the bigger one to me was actually the, the shorthanded goal where he's just kind of like, hey, hey Willie. well, 
Well, here's, but here's the thing about Morgan Riley is if the case is like, you got to have a defenseman out there because they're going to be <laughs> defensively responsible. Like I know it's walked the line as well for the power play. And he yeah. has a sense of that. No question. But if the case is going to be, well, you can't get burned for shorties, then Morgan Riley has to do a little bit more than what he did on that goal fair. to justify. Okay. Very That's fair. All. Very fair. Yeah. And listen, that was once again, both of those guys dreaming about their first margarita, both of them oh, yeah. like looking towards the sky. They had no oh, idea yeah. what they were doing. Like, we're like, that they had the Yacht just, Rock uh, playing oh, in their heads yeah. all night tonight. Like, yeah. They had the ro- Yacht Rock playlist kicking. Absolutely. So I, uh, Listen, I know this isn't a hot take, and I sent out a tweet talking about, you know, about the Bruins. I said, ah, I have some breaking news that the Bruins are quite good. And, you know, I had a lot of Leaf fans getting in my mentions being like, and so are the Leafs! And so are the Leafs! It's like, That's listen, Twitter. guys, I know. But, like, listen, I don't know if the Leafs can beat that team in a seven-game series, okay? Like, I'm just saying that right now. I'm watching them play them three times this year. The sec the the second game they played was an excellent close game where they lost. First game was a tight game at home where they won. They just got smoked pretty bad in the Cabo game tonight. I don't believe that they can beat the Bruins in a playoff series. And I'm sorry to say you that. Know, but we're being in this game though too. I know. Like, that kind of needs to be mentioned. That's part of the reason why it's hard to Listen, judge it. I know. I completely agree with that, and I understand that. But it's just I don't believe deep down. I don't believe, and they have to prove to me, I guess. But I just don't believe. You know what I think is big that we probably haven't discussed enough with Boston is like their blue line, the way they jumped up in the play tonight and just how they're kind of feel threatening a lot of the game. But also Allmark is not, does not appear to be some kind of like creation of a good Boston team. He is really good. He made made a couple of clean stops tonight. Yeah, he made a couple of just beautiful saves, calmed the game down, slowed it down for Boston. Like you mentioned mm-hmm. that little hot run that Toronto had after the fight. Yeah. Allmark was solid and he just made saves. And yeah, I think that you could probably say, hey, Bunk, like he's never done that in a playoff series yet. So let's see that. Maybe he's like a Bobrovsky kind of guy that has a really good season, gets in the playoffs and proves to be a bit of a choker or whatever, right? Until you do it in the postseason, it doesn't matter as much. But he he does feel like a guy who like it would be scary to be against in a playoff series as well. Absolutely. Like they just are so good. And it's not even a it's not even a detriment of the Leafs. The Leafs are so good too. They're a good team. They're a top five team. But just the way that Gary's laid it out. They're gonna have to beat two of these. I don't think the Leafs are so teams. good. I know this is Leafs I talk, do. but yeah, I think, I think the, the Leafs, Leafs are, are so good. good. If I the think Leafs the Leafs are, are any, good. If any other division, it's a different story. Like they're gonna be if they're like if you're playing against Carolina in a playoff series, if you're playing who are really good, I understand that. But like they play a different style of game than these two teams they have to play. If you're playing the Rangers, you're playing the Caps, you're playing the Penguins. Yeah, but those teams at, are all just the, good. Like yeah, the Leafs are better. I don't like yeah, whatever. I'm parsing you know here. I, mean? I just don't think there are a lot of really good teams right now. I feel like the league is flat, and Boston might be the only ones. And then Tampa, they get the credit because they're Tampa. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think that Toronto's just good. But I don't feel like, you know, I'm watching a special hockey team. I think that's fair at this point. Well, you think it's mostly the bottom six. It's mostly the bottom six stuff. Yeah, I feel like I see like really special the talent Jimmies up top. Joes, but that just gets No, but also, like, through. yeah, there, there's a little bit of I, – I still – listen, I don't, I don't want to do the, the, the uh, debate here. But, yeah, I still feel like the – 
there's like a missing element sometimes the leaf stars that is yeah. there and so yeah i don't feel as though it's like this special nasty thing like you and i've talked about it and it's something i feel a lot which is when they're not ripping it up and scoring a lot of goals the games feel really meh and it's because there's no other pieces of the game anyway whatever that's yeah. maybe just modern nhl maybe i'm just getting used to that i'll be talking about that actually tomorrow with james myrtle on my podcast Nice. Uh, and then I'm going to do uh, Best Trash Talkers with Matthew Barnaby. I thought, hey, this is a good time to get him on, talk about Marshan. What makes like somebody creative? What makes somebody good? Because I actually thought the interesting thing for Marshan in the pregame tonight was when he said, guys are afraid of getting picked up on the mic. I went, yeah, that is hard on a lot of guys because forever just chirps are swearing and saying bad words. Yeah. And now you got to be like creative and kind of funny, you know? For sure. Like you got to be Sean Thornton. Which is like a lot, not a lot of Sean Thornton's out there. And well, and Marner, sorry, um, what Marshawn was saying about Marner in the media this morning was the best chirp. He was like, yep. I tell him Nailed all the time, him. I tell him all the time, he's my favorite player. I love watching him play. You're my favorite yeah, player. I know. That and, was and, all the, and all the Leaf fans are like, see, he praised him. It's like, oh yeah. my God. Like, yeah, could no, you be I... like, oh my God. He's, yeah, he's, yeah, he's my, fa <laughs> he's my favorite player. Yeah, no. Marshan was on a tear today. Our poor boy Dangle oh. took it right between the eyes from him. Like, it's, I that's, said, that's I... about, that's about as big a Twitter murder as I've ever seen. Like, that. Oh. Like that, that, that's like people do 10, eight. And that was like, that was 10, zero. <laughs> that was 10, zero. You just have to put the app away for the day. If, the, if yeah. Marshan gets you on that one. Anyway, he, he rode into town on his steed and took out his sword and was chopping off he just, heads. Yeah. Like, he, he just went just... after everybody. <laughs> Top leaf fan, Marner, Bunting, oh, yeah. Leafs, oh, yeah. like yeah. all the guys that took money. He came in here. Hot. <laughs> he came in hot. Uh, all right. Uh, that was Leafs Talk. Again, subscribe to the podcast. Leave five stars on Spotify and Instagram, or sorry, and on Apple. Uh, you can do the same for Real Kipper and Born, which Sam is on every day, three to five, uh, or for me on the JD Bunkus podcast, uh, which will be up again starting tomorrow morning at nine. And then, yeah, uh, if you want to do a nice thing when the content comes out, if you like it, hit the thumb, hit the, the old thumbs up. We always appreciate that. Drop a comment if you'd like. Again, post All-Star break, we're going to start taking some comments from people sis will jump on and uh we'll try to be a little bit more interactive with the the fans with the the loyal people that are in the chat or even just the haters who just disagree with a lot of stuff that we say um yeah and then share it we always say please share it if you see it hit that retweet do whatever helps us out as well uh break we get a full weekend yeah you're gone for like a six years you're gone yeah. you're not even doing the two games out of the break so you're gone yeah. forever I did it smart though, but that's yeah. the last, those are like the last two games I'm off. I'm off one more because of a friend in town and yeah, then yeah. that's it. I just, I, you were never going to get me on a Friday and Saturday against Columbus. Like that was like, you know, I'm way too much of a vet to be get, I, I'm, I'll never get caught slipping like that. Well, it's so funny. We talk about, you know, this big test game and then they come out of the, the break. It's like, finally they're out of their break and then they play. The Columbus Blue Jackets twice, the Habs, Blackhawks, Habs, or no, uh, Habs, Hawks Blackhawks, twice. Blackhawks. Yeah. yeah, great. We'll learn tons of lessons from those electrifying games, and you'll hear about them all on Leafstock. Hey, those will be those that, they get ready with your comments, people, all right? That was your time the to shine. comment time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll see you guys later. Enjoy the break.